When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. has won the European Cup for Manchester United. It's absolutely astonishing. The double is definitely Manchester United. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational. It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. Two dropped points in Manchester United's second Premier League game of the season, but there are plenty of positives. Anthony Martial scores his 50th goal for the club at Molyneux. Ruben Neves equalises for Wolves, and then Pogba misses from the spot. We're talking that 1-1 draw. Ole's style, 80 million Harry Maguire, rounding up the latest youth loan and women's news as always, and looking ahead to Crystal Palace at home on Series 5, Episode 4 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. Jack, let's start with a positive, um, a goal of serious quality to start things off against Wolves. We didn't manage to get the win, but just honing in on that goal to start with, the build-up is fantastic, really good movement off the ball, quick play from McTominay, Shaw and Lingard and the finish from Martial is, is clinical and exactly what we want to see and I think sums up the the positivity of the first half against Wolves. Yeah, the goal encapsulates everything that was good about that first half. We were very patient in the build-up, we were patient without being unintentful if I mean that's not really a word but you go yeah okay I'm trying to say we were patient yeah. without without just looking like we, we were keeping the ball for the sake of it we always looked like we had the intent of going forward we were trying to break walls down but we weren't trying to force it we weren't just trying to play the, the stupidly difficult ball all, all the time we were trying to sort of work it out and, and do the smart thing I thought the first half all right we didn't create too much too much I think there was uh it was one of the longest we've ever gone without having a shot in, in the Premier League game or something there was some stat like that 
But ultimately, I think it was actually a really positive first half for us. We controlled the game against a very good Wolves side. We didn't let them have a sniff really at all in the first half. There was no point where I thought we were in danger at all. On the ball, we looked very, very comfortable. The midfield was working well. Like I said, we were patient on the ball, but we still had good intent going forward. And, and the goal encapsulated everything, all of that. It was very, very patient build-up. And then when you needed it, you had that bit of quality with a, a perfectly weighted pass by Rashford. And then, a, I mean, just a brilliant left-footed finish by Martial. Yeah, really fantastic finish from Martial. And exactly, as I said, the, the kind of thing we want to be seeing. And we did see frequently in that first season after he joined from Monaco for such a big fee. He banged in 17 goals that year. And that was the kind of finish we saw, the confidence to take it early. I think that was the key thing. You can tell a, a striker is confident. I think we saw this with uh, Timu Pukki for Norwich at the weekend um, when he scored a hat-trick against Newcastle. You can tell a striker is confident when they're taking those shots that surprise yeah. the goalkeeper. They're taking those shots with the first touch or even half a second, a second earlier than you would expect. And that's exactly what Martial did. He saw the ball come into his feet and pulled the trigger straight away. No touch. Uh, immediate caught the keeper just just slightly off guard and managed to rifle it into into the top of the net. It's it, as a, as an overall performance in that first half. It's a, it seems like a long time ago and a big change since Wolves fans were singing "Can we play you every week?" back in April when they they humiliated us. Absolutely, you, you know, you go back to that. All right, we didn't end up winning the game, but you go back in April when they not only did they beat us, but they they played us off the park that day. You know, completely. All right, the the result in the end wasn't what we wanted, and in the second half. Wolves did come back into the game a lot, which is something we'll come on to, and it's definitely something that we need to improve at. But at the end of the day, the performance yesterday was so much better than last season. And there was a really good article on Sky Sports, actually, by Adam Bate, about the fact that even though maybe the result wasn't what we wanted, the positive signs are 100% there for United. And it's so true. You can see, just in two games, the improvement that we've made from last season. And this, I think this is exactly what we, we all expected, really, from this season. It's not going to be perfect. We have a very, very young team. Last week, we had the youngest team in the Premier League. And this week, that team only got younger with Dan James coming into the starting lineup for Andreas Pereira. I mean, we've got, we've got a team with no outfield players over 26. The average age is about 23, I think. And like, th- these results are going to happen where you don't quite close out games. But what you want is you want to see those positive signs. And that's exactly what we are seeing. And just to, to go back to your point on Martial, you're exactly right about the confidence that he has to take that strike first time. The goal really reminded me of, of Pogba's goal against Fulham last season away when it was that left-footed strike kind of into the roof of the net that just completely takes the keeper by surprise. And you've seen Martial so many times before get into those kind of positions and want to take four or five touches to get the ball on his right foot. But when he's in form, when he's, when he's high on confidence, he just rifles that into the back of the net. And Pogba, that was during his great stretch of form as well when he scored that goal. And those sort of strikes where they're willing to take it on first time on their, on their weak foot is a sign of big, big confidence. And we know that Anthony Martial is very much a, a confidence player, like a lot of the players in, in the United Absolutely. side, to be fair. But Martial, I think, I think more than others over the last, well, five seasons now, four seasons, which is incredible, we've, we've seen that he can, he can go in these, these spells of, of purple patches and, and really barren spells. Clearly has got that confidence, and if he can carry it on with Rashford in the side as well, that'll be fantastic. I was going to speak about Harry Maguire, but we'll stick that on the back burner for just a second. Let's talk about Martial and Rashford more. Martial's 50th goal for the club, Rashford has 47. This is a partnership that could blossom. Both have, have disappointed in the last three seasons at one point or another, but both have also impressed hugely in, in, in other spells. And this is a point, they both need to find consistency. 
And if they can find it together and they don't drop out of form at the same time, one of them can always drag the other up. That's the important thing in, in a striking partnership like this, particularly when we're going to be so reliant on them because of the lack of options up front. You always need one to be informed. And if one is informed, then they can drag the other up to their level rather than one of them dragging the other back down to their level. That's what we need to see. Yeah, and it's that partnership. You're, that's the key word for me in, in all of this. We want them not just to be players that play next to each other on the pitch. You want to, we want them to be players that in, link with each other, that interact with each other when they're on the ball. And to be honest with you, despite how much they've played together in the last couple of years, they actually, I don't think, have ever had a great partnership. You know, yes, they've had success when they've both been on the pitch. But, you know, when I, when I think of a, of a strike partnership, you, I mean, the one that immediately springs to mind is Andy Cole and Dwight York, that almost sort of mind meld that they had back in, in the late 90s and early 2000s. You know, that of playing off each other. And the goal, the goal that kind of sums up is uh, against, was it Barcelona, I'm pretty sure, in the, uh, yeah. in the Champions League that year. You know, it, that is the kind of partnership that you want from Martial and Rashford. And we are starting to see at least some, some progress in that direction. You know, they are starting to link up a lot more. The, the interchange between them is so much better. And they're starting to switch positions more naturally now, whereas in the past it was sort of more of a, of a decision like, okay, I'm going to go on the left for 10 minutes, you go up front. Whereas now you see them switching during attacks and it, it's them sort of understanding each other's games more. And the goal was a perfect example of that. You know, you saw Rashford cutting in from the left flank and then Martial actually making a great run. And I, I've criticised his movement a lot in the past, but that was a great run for the goal. And it, it, it is for me all about confidence with them too. And the season has, couldn't really have got off to a better start for, for both of them. They do look very high on confidence and it looks like they are we're starting to see a little bit of that of that partnership between them. Yeah, and the, I think the positive thing with Martial is he was drifting wide to the left at, at points, but on an overall level, he was he was normally moving between the goalposts or just outside. He started up front, he got this chance. Rashford started up front against Chelsea. Uh, Martial on the left, it was it was swapped around against Wolves, which I think is is sensible to get them both uh, with confidence and in form at the start of the season. I think once the season starts to develop, we might want to see one of them holding that position for, for five, ten games or more, um, and one of them holding that left winger position. But for now, I think it's sensible to swap. And and Martial was, was generally floating between the posts, and that's exactly what you want from your, your main striker. You've got either Rashford or Martial on the left, whichever the other one is, who can provide those, those runs, who can stretch the defence and, and get the balls in for, for your main striker, who you need to be between the posts. One, one, of the, one of the parts of the game that I loved the most was when Rashford picked up the ball on the left flank and it absolutely skinned um, who would have been on that side. But whoever was, he, he twisted him twice and put in a great cross to the back post. The Martial was sort of inches away from it. And that was actually one of my favourite moments from the whole game because it's just what we want. It's them holding their positions, Martial being a proper number nine, and he didn't, he didn't quite end up getting there, and, and maybe with a little bit more anticipation, he would have done. But that was a great play because it was one of them being a genuine winger, taking on their man, putting a cross into the box, and the other one being in a proper number nine position. Yeah, right. Another big positive, Harry Maguire. Uh, I, I don't think United would have got the point that they did at Molyneux without Maguire on the pitch. There were a lot of moments in the second half. Yeah. Wolves had this this spell of 15 minutes, and I, I actually think United probably came out of the second half as as the better team again, even though um, they didn't manage to score. I, I think Wolves had a good 15-minute spell, 20 minutes maybe at a push, and that was about it. But in that spell, you saw yeah. you saw Maguire block a cross from Den Donkey, tackled Traore in the box, he blocked Neves, he marked Hotter. It, it was all of these little things when you saw Wolves get past Lindelof, past Shaw, past Wambasaka sometimes even, and Maguire would be there to clear up. 
And United wouldn't have got that point without him. This is a point Maguire has already come into United. I think in the first half against Chelsea, he was the man who got United into half-time, still leading after that Rashford penalty. If he hadn't been on the pitch against Chelsea, I think Chelsea probably would have gone in level or winning. Uh, And then against Wolves in the second half, he kept United, got that point. So far, Maguire's, I think we would say, fulfilled expectations and, and nothing more. But he's doing so fantastically. He doesn't need to do more than that. If he can fill the expectations of a of a world record centre-back, then that's absolutely fine. I, I couldn't agree more about what you said about us potentially not getting the point if he wasn't playing. Because especially in that 15, 20 minutes after half-time, we looked rattled. We really did. And, and you know, fair enough. Wolves came out of the, flying out of the blocks after half-time. Adama Traore was absolutely abusing Luke Shaw on our left. And that was a major, major issue. And that was where Maguire's presence was felt big time for me because constantly he was being called out to cover because Traore was doing so well against uh, against Luke Shaw down the left. And Maguire was often being drawn out of position or, or holding him and blocking the cross. And he, he was such a leader. But the thing I think as well, not just... I mean, obviously you expect him to be a good defender and, and be in the way of these crosses and marking players and, and winning tackles, etc. But the other thing for me that really stood out from the way that Maguire played and, and in terms of keeping us in that game during Wolves' 15, 20-minute spell was really just the way that he, he played on the ball. You know, he did not give the ball away at all during that spell. And when we were intent on playing out from the back, which I like, I like the fact that we didn't change our style when we were under that kind of pressure. Wolves were pressing us so high up the pitch and you think about Phil Jones or Chris Smalling being in that centre-back role, we would have been losing the ball every single time we tried to play out from the back. Yeah. But with Maguire in there, there was a level of confidence there and we, we just didn't look like we were in trouble when we were trying to play out from the back. Yeah, well, in fact, the, I mean, the stats don't always show it, but they do in this case. Maguire was the only outfield player who started for United who didn't lose possession at, at any point during the game, let alone that spell. And it's massively important because you think about when United came under the cosh last season and it happened against a lot of sides, not just the big ones. And United would have to resort to, whether it would be Young, Smalling or whoever, would have to resort to these long clearances. And when you clear the ball when you're under the cost, the ball just comes straight back to you and they, they continue attacking until so much pressure happens that you eventually make a mistake and, and concede a goal. And it happens so many times. With Maguire's composure, that's not going to happen. Only... Pogba and Wan-Bissaka had more of the ball on on Monday night. He won the ball in the air six times, more clearances than anyone else. This is exactly what you're expecting him to do. He's begun to solidify and lead the United defence. And if he does that consistently for for the next 12 months and the years after that, of course, then, then the price tag will be forgotten very quickly. And as you say, it's not a comparison that a club like United should have to make. But Maguire's passing is, is so many levels above Smalling. And it, it's not surprising. Smalling was was trained at a, a non-league club, Maidstone United, and Maguire came through at Sheffield United, so it's not a surprise. But he passes in front of his teammates' feet rather than pinging at them at some ridiculous speed right into their feet or even behind them, which kind of pulls United back and allows Wolves or whoever the opposition to, to press forward. So it, it, it's refreshing to see. It really is. 100%. I, I, your point about where they sort of became footballers and, and where they were sort of brought up as footballers, it does make a massive difference because I think with Smalling, he relied upon him and was a good footballer mainly because of his physical attributes. You know, he's what, six foot five, but he's extremely quick. He's, he's a very, very strong, he's good in the air. That, that is what Smalling kind of relies upon. And, you know, there is a, a long way that that can take you. But at this level, you need both those physical traits and the footballing brain that I don't think he has. 
but also you need that ability on the ball. And Maguire combines all of those. Maguire, first and foremost, relies on his footballing intelligence, his awareness, and his ability on the ball. And then the physical traits kind of add to that, rather than simply relying on his physicality. And it, it makes a huge difference, because you see, not only is he a calming influence, and it doesn't just come from, from being a leader in terms of what you say, it also just comes from your body language and your demeanour on the ball. Chris Smalling on the ball is very erratic, and you, you can kind of see that his brain is almost working overtime, trying to pick a pass or to keep control of the ball. Harry Maguire just feels relaxed all the time. It's one thing that you, you notice watching Virgil van Dijk. And I'm, again, as we said last week, this is not comparing Maguire to van Dijk. But in terms of that calming influence, Virgil van Dijk never looks like he's under pressure. Even when someone's running at him one-on-one, he seems very relaxed, very calm, because that's, that's his job. He knows what he's doing. And that is the kind of calmness we want Harry Maguire to bring to our back four. And that's exactly what he did bring against Wolves, especially in that spell when we were under intense, intense pressure. Yeah. Uh, right, we must move on. Maguire needs to, to continue this and then and then we will start not talking about the, the 80 million price tag. But actually, to be honest, it, it's not being mentioned much and I think that's because everyone no. thinks, although United overpaid for Maguire, that he probably will prove to be worth it for us. Um, a player who cost us much less, 18 million, Dan James, um, starting his first game for United, having scored against Chelsea. I think, I think this was an interesting selection from Solskjaer because during pre-season, United's coaches, uh, privately at least, thought, that he wasn't ready to start in the Premier League yet. And having watched them against Wolves, they may have been right because there are a lot of weaknesses to to Dan James. His his final ball clearly isn't good enough and we we said that in pre-season after watching a few games against Leeds, Inter and a a few others. His pace is, is obviously a huge problem. If he can add to that, then he will always be a good option for United. And at the moment... Just having that kind of pace and and the level of skill he does have on the ball, even though it needs to improve, gives United a very good option. I think Solskjaer started him because of the potential of what he can offer rather than what he would offer necessarily. Because if you think back to the the wins that Wolves had or or the draw um, last season, we played them three times. Johnny was uh, huge in the wins, the, the left wing back for Wolves. Yeah. And... Back in back in April and March, he bombed up and down that wing, tore United apart, contributed to, to, to those two victories. He didn't this time, really, apart from a few occasions, because Wolves knew that the, the pace of Dan James on the counter-attack, they, United could just surge past them on the counter if they committed too many men forward. So both the defensive quality of Wan-Bissaka and the pace of Dan James, the threat of Dan James, not necessarily his actual quality, made United more solid in defence. Yeah, absolutely. As you said fullbacks often have to respond to to the threat of their wingers that they're marking. And we saw that with Luke Shaw. He he wasn't getting forward anywhere near as much in the second half because of the threat of Adama Traore. And it was the same it was the same story with uh, with Johnny Otto against against Dan James. Just the threat of James forces him back. And it's not just the fact that uh, James is pace, but it's also because he he stays out wide a lot more than Pereira does, who would probably be the person who would have been playing instead. I've got to say I was I was pleased but surprised by the selection. I think in some ways, simply based on the opposition, I think it would have made more sense to have James and Pereira the other way around in terms of having James start against Chelsea and Pereira start against Wolves because we always knew Wolves were going to sit deeper than Chelsea were. And James is the kind of player who will thrive in games where he has space to run into, where teams are are coming at us and not just sitting in a deep block. Whereas Pereira, as we said last week, can, can pick a pass as well as almost anyone on our team. And he is the kind of player that we need when we're playing teams that are sitting in a deeper block and we need to kind of pick them apart a little bit more. So I'm not sure Dan James is necessarily suited to this game. 
And I, th- I thought he did okay. Nothing more, nothing less. It was, it was what we expected pretty much. Some good moments, some great pieces of skill, for some very good movement, but also some very, very poor moments on the ball. We lacked quality. The final ball isn't great. And at times he looks like he, he needs to get better on the ball when he's under pressure. There's quite a few times where it was sort of him, Wambasaka and Lingard playing in tight spaces on the, on the right-hand yeah. side, and especially in the first half. Where he, he just seemed like he ran out of ideas a little bit. And that will come with experience. You know, he's only 21, and this is a big step up for him. Despite how, how well he came on last week and how well he did in pre-season, yeah. ultimately this is a massive step up for him. And it's going to take him time to, to be able to, to get used to that. Yeah, definitely. Right, let's talk the, the player behind him, Aaron Wambasaka. I think the best player for United so far in these first two games, alongside Harry Maguire. Yep. Nine tackles, at least three more than at least three times more even not just three more at least three times more than anyone else on the pitch um he's been nicknamed the the spider by a few people it's such an unorthodox defensive style those those long gangly legs which seem to wrap themselves around the ball wherever it is um good against Chelsea excellent against Wolves particularly with with the experienced Dan James in front of him um kept Johnny and, and Diego Hotta quiet uh, the most touches on the pitch, dribbled more than anyone else but Martial for United and passed more in the final third than anyone else. He's He's been good in attack and that's where a lot of people thought his weakness would be. He's not the complete fullback yet, um, not amazing in attack, not massively influential in attack yet, but there's signs he, that he, he can become that all-round fullback um, because in defence he's certainly showing that he, he is going to be good enough if he's not already. I thought he was brilliant against Wolves, really, really good. Again, he's been what we expected so far. And, and I mean that in a completely positive sense. We, we know and we knew already what wan strengths were, what his weaknesses were. We know that his strengths are one-on-one defending. It is so, so tough to get past him. And you, you watch him and it's almost comical because, like you said, he has this unorthodox style and he looks very gangly and, and very almost out of control of his body. But it, it works so well. And he, he just, I, I don't think he's been dribbled past yet as a United player, has he? Uh, that is just an incredible stat. And yes, he isn't the most composed going forward, and I don't think he ever will be. But ultimately, I would much rather him be solid defensively because we haven't had a solid right-back defensively since Gary Neville retired. And I, I mean that completely seriously. Wan-Bissaka has been a great signing so far. I agree with you, probably alongside Maguire, has been our best and certainly most consistent player. Yeah, right. Uh, th- there was a, a big debate after the penalty fiasco. Uh, I think an overhyped debate. Sky Sports discussed it for, for about 45 minutes after the game before discussing yeah. any of the actual game itself, which was quite a good one. Um, uh, the main thing, if Pogba had scored that penalty, no one would care, first of all. It was a it was a fine penalty, but needed to be better, obviously. Uh, but it was still a good save, which showed that it it wasn't a terrible penalty. This is a this is a team with an average age of of twenty four year olds. It's not that surprising that there is a, a lack of leaders in there. I think Maguire will develop into that kind of role. Pogba hasn't done so yet. It's possible he will do, but it, it, it's not obvious who will become a leader in that team. Um, and and the thing with the penalty. It was overhyped. We're going to talk about it very, very quickly. The abuse that followed, we'll also talk about in a second. Ben Smith asked, what do you think to the abuse that Popper faced after the game? It was just violent and, and shouldn't be paid yeah. attention to. And although it shouldn't be paid attention Ooh. to, it particularly shouldn't be promoted on Twitter, which was what did happen. I think it was the second top tweet when he typed in Pogba was uh, some horrific racial abuse. So Twitter needs to take a, a stand on that. But we won't talk about that too much. But the, the penalty, it, it wasn't that much of an issue. 
um, having two penalty takers isn't a terrible thing. And people will say Rashford scored all four of his penalties in his career. Well, if you go back six years, Paul Pogba scored all four of his career penalties. Four penalties is not not an amazing sample size to take. I believe Rashford has taken two penalties, not in not in shootouts. Yeah, he's he scored for England, PSG, and Chelsea. Uh, I think. I mean, I think so. Yeah. So it, the, the stats on penalties can be massively warped. Um, Pop has taken yeah. far more penalties than Rashford. He has missed far too many, and I think it should be given to to Rashford. But Pop is clearly quite a good penalty taker, even though he's not good enough. Give it to Rashford for now, yes, but at the same time. Pop and Rashford can both deal with this on the pitch. If Solskjaer said, you two are the two penalty takers, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Another classic example of, of pundits just wanting to talk about things that are very, very easy to create controversy. The same reason we, we spend hours every week debating refereeing decisions instead of actually looking at the tactics of a game. As you said, that was a great game last night. And it was a game, maybe not great in terms of entertaining goal mouth chances all the time, but in terms of tactics, it was a very, very intricate game of two two teams that have very set ways of playing. And yet there was no analysis of that. It was all just down to which of these two young players want to take this penalty. It's just ridiculous. I'm with you. I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I would prefer it if we had one one penalty taker and Solskjaer took the lead and said, Marcus, Paul, either one, you are the penalty taker. When you're on the pitch, you take penalties. Because I think it just, it just solves any issues. But also... Even though they, they, these are the young teams, these are grown men. And I trust that grown men should be able to make a decision in the moment as to who should take a penalty. And to be fair, I would understand some of this controversy a little bit more if one of, one of them was visibly upset about the decision. But they weren't. They had a conversation. Rashford did not seem upset, did not seem angry with Pogba. You could see that Rashford came in and said, I want to take it. But once Pogba said, no, it's mine, Rashford walked away and said, good luck, lad. Like, make sure you score it. And that was it. It wasn't a big argument, anything like that. Yeah. You know, it, it just it baffles me, really, why, why pundits want to talk about it so much. And, I mean, the abuse that Pogba was getting, the less said about it, the better, really. It's just, it's absolutely vile, some of the stuff that gets said. And, unfortunately, too many people on a, on a regular basis. And, I mean, it's good that it's been highlighted now and hopefully something will be done about it. But, I mean, this has been going on ever since Pogba came back to the Premier League. And it's something that affects black players all across the Premier League. It's not even just in, in this sort of explicit abuse that you see on Twitter and in the stadium. It's also implicit in the way that the players are viewed. You know, you saw Graham Sooners the other day talk about how he loved James Madison's swagger and his edge to him. And <laughs> that's exactly what he's been criticising Paul Pogba for for the last three years. And to me, one of the major differences is that Paul Pogba is black and James Madison's white. That's a conversation for a whole other day. But it's an issue that pervades very, very deep into English football, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it's not just Paul Pogba, and because it's Manchester United and Pogba, it's a it's a good platform to to um, spark some change. United's response was okay, but I mean, I mean, their statement said we encourage social media platforms to uh, take action, but it could have yeah, been a, I did, it I did been see a little a stronger. That- I did see a report that United were supposedly meeting face-to-face with Twitter about it, but I don't know if that is actually any truth in that. But if they are, then that would be a good step. 
yeah, a couple of worries. In fact, one worry really is that we couldn't change that game from the bench. The the depth in this squad is poor, and I think Solskjaer yeah. responded a little too late. Um, but we we must move on. Uh, one one little piece of news is that uh, United reportedly played against Sheffield United behind closed doors uh, in the last few days and won three one with goals from Pereira, Greenwood, and someone else. Not confirmed that though, but it would make sense because uh, Pulper and Ravel Morrison, the ex United youth player, were pictured together, and Ravel Morrison was wearing his training kit, which it seems unlikely he would have been wearing if they were meeting up for lunch or at one of their houses or something. <laughs> so it, it probably is true and it, it's good that United are doing these closed doors games and it's because Solskjaer wants to increase the, the fitness of the team, which is what we want to see. One last thing for me, Harry, just on, on the Wolves game. The last thing I, I want to say is I think this game in the long run will be very, very good for this team. This is a very young team and, and they were properly tested against Wolves. Maybe not, maybe not physically or technically quite as much as they will in other games. But mentally, that was a very, very challenging period to come through at the start of that second half. Wolves were all over us like a rash. Molyneux is a very hostile venue to go and play. All right, we didn't end up winning the game, but we came through that very easily. And by the end of the game, as you said earlier, we were by far the better team in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, a young United side, the youngest in the Premier League, and to have won 4-0 against Chelsea and then drawn away at Wolves, Yes, we could have got the six points, but four points from those first two games as youngest team in the Premier League is very impressive. A poor 2-0 loss for United's under-18s against Wolves on Saturday. Wolves dominated and went 1-0 up in the first half. Charlie McCann had a chance to equalise in the 90th minute, though, with a penalty but he missed and Wolves went up the other end to score and make it two. It was the first league loss for any United side above the under-16s this season. The under-23s, though, were brilliant in a 2-0 win against Reading. James Garner scored yet another goal from midfield in a commanding performance. Damani Mellor scored the other. Mellor is a lesser-known name than Garner or Chong or Gomez. He's a Mancunian striker. He's really taking to the challenge of under-23s football so far. He's very determined and is really impressing so far. I don't think any first-team chances will be forthcoming yet, and probably not at all this season, but he's really stepped things up after being promoted from the under-18s. I've been impressed at least. The under-18s have drawn Brighton, Leicester and West Brom in the Premier League Cup. Dates on those matches not yet set. I won't give you any update on loans this week because things are still early in the season and not everyone's playing. But here's every United loan move so far just to keep you updated. Dean Henderson has gone to Sheffield United, the talented goalkeeper. Another two goalkeepers in Kieran O'Hara and Joel Pereira have joined Burton Albion and Hearts respectively. Alex Fodzek has joined Stallybridge and Jacob Carney has joined Stocksbridge, making it five goalkeepers out on loan in total. Defender George Tanner has joined Morecambe. Midfielder, attacking midfielder really, Aidan Barlow has joined Tromso in Norway. I mentioned that last week. And another midfielder, Ethan Hamilton, has joined Southend. He did very well in the back end of last season with Rochdale when he went on loan there. No women's fixture since we last recorded, but United have signed left-back Lotta Ockfist and two United players have been called up to Phil Neville's England Lionesses squad. Goalkeeper Mary Earps and defender Abby McManus. Right, United moving on to their third game of the season. Uh, Saturday, 3pm. It'll be nice to be involved in the, the Saturday afternoon drama for the first time this season. Uh, do you think Solskjaer's going to go with the same lineup, Jack? I would expect Pereira to come back in. Um, I think after the, after the performance of Dan James, I think Pereira will get the nod. Not that, not that I actually think Dan James did particularly badly. Um, I, I just think we'll probably see a lot of rotation between those two for the whole season. Potentially, I could see one matter coming in for Jesse Lingard. But I, I, honestly, I, I, would, I would hope not because even though Lingard hasn't set the world on fire, 
his movement is, is so much better than Mass, and I think he helps our, our team stay fluid a lot more. And as we said before, I think the rest of the team pretty much picks itself at this point. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. We'll, we'll see some consistency with this team in, in at least the first month or two of, of the season. The worry is when we start getting some injuries, which will inevitably happen, particularly in attack, is, is the big yeah. worry there. Um, I, I think the worry with Pereira, which we saw when he came on, um, Rashford went off the pitch and, and Andreas Pereira came on. Matt had come on earlier. And when Pereira was playing on that left-hand side instead of Marcus Rashford, just the lack of width was was appalling. And it, and I yeah. think that was actually a change which stopped United potentially from getting that winner. Because Rashford, I, I kind of understood taking Rashford off to try and, and put some fresh impetus um, down the left. And I also understood it because I thought Solskjaer might not want to crowd Martial. And I thought he might want to have a, a proper focal point for the attack in Martial and have some more creativity with Pereira behind so I did understand it but you saw so many moments where uh, Pogba uh, Shaw would be looking ahead of him Pogba would be looking to the left Martial would be looking to the left as well and there just wouldn't be anyone there because Pereira tucked in that that's my big worry with Pereira and, and the same applies on the right slightly less so because I think I trust Wambasaka a bit more than Shaw to provide that width and provide that attacking intent which is surprising since a lot of people have, have criticized his uh, attacking qualities um Shaw is, is becoming a little bit of a scapegoat, which I think is unfair. He's fine. He could get better. I think United will end up replacing him, or at least should end up replacing him in the next two or three years. But it, it's not a it's not an immediate worry. Um, he's doing okay. If he can build on this, and it'll yeah, be a good. My, my my thoughts on Shaw at the moment are he's not he's not the the major positive, and he's not the major worry either. And that's okay for now. We don't need to replace him, but he yeah. also, like you said, he's not going to be a focal point around which our team is built. And it's worth bearing in mind that United's, uh, United's coaches are privately very excited by the prospect of Ethan Laird, who was actually injured in the under-23s game, that 2-0 win against Reading. He was injured in that. Hopefully it won't be for too long because he's had uh, some bad luck with injuries, but he is a he is a really good talent, uh, English left-back. So United are... are genuinely excited about uh, the prospect of Ethan Laird filling in at that left-back role in the next uh, two, three, four years. So that that might be why United don't see it as a priority at the moment as well. Um, score yeah. prediction against Palace. At home, I reckon 3-1. Uh, we drew we drew 0-0 with Palace uh, in our last home match against them, <laughs> uh, which was actually, it wasn't quite the turning point. Obviously, the, the loss against Liverpool was, was the most obvious turning point for Mourinho but uh, the nil-nil draw against Palace in terms of style and performance and results was one of the turning points for Mourinho where a lot of the match-going fans at Old Trafford started yeah. to think what is this? Um, I know that was around the time where we started to really really um, start calling for Mourinho to be sacked. It's when you it's when watching United became uh, a bore and the results weren't there either. Um, I, th- I think yeah. the thing with this game uh, I'm going to go with a, a, a 2-0 win uh, clean sheet and two goals from Rashford and Martial uh, I think the key thing we want to see here is a, a full 90 minutes of a good performance would be nice uh, yeah. only two good halves really so far the second half against Wolves was the the majority of it was actually fine if not great the first half against Chelsea was clearly a Rory and the second half against Chelsea first half against Wolves were both excellent so if we could see a full game of, of a good performance it would it'd be fantastic and the opposition is Crystal Palace who looked terrible against Sheffield United um, yeah. and handed Sheffield United their first victory in the league so United I, I've predicted 2-0 United should be winning 2-0 or more and shouldn't be conceding uh, obviously it depends whether Wilfred Zaha shows up because he, he was kind of marked out of the game against Sheffield United so if United can manage to keep him quiet then there, there really shouldn't be any threat from Palace Yeah I agree I'm hoping for a good game 
Uh, just quickly before before we finish, I want to give another shout out to uh, McGann's Irish Pub here in Boston. I'm unfortunately going to be leaving soon, but so I won't be there for Palace. But I met up with uh, with Kevin, who was a listener, um, and met, reached out to me. Went managed to go down there and, and have a couple of beers with him watching the game. So just a, a big shout out to everyone down there, and, and thanks for. Uh, for being such good supporters of the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much and, and for giving Jack some good hospitality. We must wrap things up there. Uh, for more from Jack to find where he, he might be watching the game uh, in the next few weeks, <laughs> you can find him on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. You can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thank you, as always, for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.